0: to have everyone here. Open your songbooks to 296 at the cross. At the cross. Today we'll be looking at Galatians 6.14 where it speaks of glorying in the cross. Let's sing at the cross together as we begin today. (laughs) good to have everyone here by the way let's thank the lord for his, his work <laughs> heavenly father lord god we thank you for who you are and i do ask you that today in every way you would be worshiped as we sing together and as we fellowship together and open the scriptures and give and observe the lord's supper may it all be about you not about us father god you've done everything that needs to be done for our salvation by sending your only begotten Son into this world that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Father, thank you that many here with us today have done, made that decision and received Christ as Savior and now have heaven as, heaven as home. As we observe the Lord's Supper, Father God, I ask you that it, it would be about you, that it would be that which we do in remembrance of our Savior until he comes again. And, Father, I ask, too, that those who aren't with us, for whatever reason it may be, that you would care for their needs today and bring about growth in their lives. And, Heavenly Father, that if we can be part of helping whatever needs to be cared for, that you would give us the knowledge we need to be able to do that and the ability. Father, I think of Tom, who... He's willing to read scripture, but is in a lot of pain today, and I ask you that you would heal that damaged area in his lower back. Father God, in all things, I ask that you'd be honored. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. 284 beneath the cross of Jesus, okay? There were several standing there that day beneath the cross of Jesus, there were three Marys, if you study your Bible, and the Apostle John. Most of the others were scattered, and yet beneath the cross of Jesus they were there, and through the pages of the Bible, we can be there too. Beneath the cross of Jesus, number 284.
1: of Jesus, I fain would take my stand. The shadow of a mighty rock within a weary land
0: reading from Psalm 49, verses 6-15. through So please follow along in your Bible and read
2: our passage today. Good morning, everybody. Good Good morning. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the for the redemption of their soul is precious, and it seizes forever. That he should still live forever and not seek corruption, for he seeth that wise men die, likewise a fool and a brut, brutish person perish, and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. <clears throat> Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not, he is like the beasts that perish. This is this their way is their folly, yet their prosperity approve their sayings. Shalah. Like sheep that are like sheep they are laid in the grave, Death shall feed upon feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. And their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, and he shall receive me. Shalom.
0: Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. A couple things we'll be doing today is observing the Lord's Supper and... It is my goal to finish the sermons in the book of Galatians. Galatians 6.14 is our text today. It says, But God forbid that I should glory or boast, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Heavenly Father, many of us, or many in this room, have special talents and abilities and you may have even blessed them in certain areas I don't know what that may be but Father God I ask you that we would not boast in those things nor glory in those things but in the cross of our Savior who gave his life and shed his blood for each and every one of us that we might have forgiveness of sin that is worth boasting about May we not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, as your word says, to everyone who believeth. Father God, I ask you today that as we finish up this time, the sermons that I've enjoyed in the book of Galatians, I trust that you would give us an understanding of the purpose of this epistle in the Bible but how it applies to us and that it might make a difference in our lives that you, the Holy Ghost, would have free course in changing our hearts and minds as they need to be changed. Father God, I ask you that you do that work yet today as we observe the Lord's Supper in a little while. Oh Lord, I ask that it would be about worshiping you, that it would be about glorying in our Savior who gave his life on the cross for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The reason for the epistle. Let's go back to Galatians 1, verse 6. This is why Paul wrote this letter to the churches in the province of Galatia back in his day. Verse 6 of chapter 1, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another Gospel. Dear Christian, there are other gospels out there. Many of them are false. Juanetta and I have recently learned a little bit about the progressive Christian movement, which is absolutely heretical, evil. They deny the deity of Christ and they claim that every person ever born into this world is a God, just as Jesus it's heresy and there are other Gospels out there they're false, they're evil and Paul recognized when he wrote this epistle to those in Galatia that they had somehow incorporated in their thinking and in their lives and in their churches a false Gospel so he said in verse 8 but though we are an angel from heaven preach any other Gospel unto you than that which ye have preached we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. That's the, ri- the reason for the writing of this epistle. What was the problem that they were following? <laughs> they were actually being taught that you have to do some work, some human work, out of Mosaic law to be saved. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Even believers can fall for unbiblical teachings that seemed to put them under a spell. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? But, I'm sorry, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set, set forth, crucified among you, this only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Thirdly, salvation is only given by God, only to those who believe look at verse six even as abraham believed god and it was accounted to him for righteousness did abraham keep mosaic law no abraham lived 500 years before moses was born it had nothing to do with keeping laws to be saved abraham believed god and it was accounted to him for righteousness dear friend The only way you can have your sins forgiven, the only way you can go to heaven is through faith and belief in Jesus Christ as your Savior. There is no work, no human effort that we can do. It's either all of grace or none of grace. In chapter 3, verse 24, the law was given to teach man that he needs a Savior. Therefore, or wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us Unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. It pointed out to everybody who tried to keep it that they couldn't. They were sinners and they needed a solution to that problem. That is what Mosaic Law was given for. In chapter 6, verse 13, which we haven't read yet. It's, before, it's the verse before ours today. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes. Even people who claimed to keep Mosaic Law didn't do it. All of us need a different solution than that. It points out that we can't do it on our own. a couple weeks ago I mentioned something that maybe I can clarify a little bit right now and that is I mentioned that sin doesn't send us to hell now that is a little contradictory in some of our minds for thinking because for example Romans 6:23 says for the wages of sin is death right But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It isn't, if you sinned one time as a two-year-old, and that was the last time you ever sinned? So it isn't not sinning that keeps you out of hell. That's the point. Not sinning isn't the changer. What is the changer? It's what you believe with your heart. It's what you believe with Jesus Christ. Remember I took you to John chapter 3 where Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and this is what verses 17 and 18 say of John chapter 3. I went right past it. But you can check it out for yourself. You know what John 3 verse 16 says. For by grace, I'm sorry. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved he that believeth on him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already yes as a sinner because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God The point of Galatians and the point of passages like that is sinning or not sinning isn't the changer. The changer is when you believe. That takes you from death unto life. And then, those who are saved, those who have believed, have liberty in Christ. But Christian liberty must be limited Christian liberty has a limit to it. Look at chapter 5, verse 1, Galatians 5, 1. It says this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Look at chapter 5, verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another we don't have liberty to live in this world in a worldly way no because it would offend and uh, uh, cause another to stumble we are responsible to avoid the appearance of evil and offending others and then the Christian must walk in the spirit and live by the fruit of the spirit and not Follow the flesh Roman I'm sorry, Galatians 5:16 says, "This, I say, walk in the spirit. If you're saved, you'll not take your liberty too far, but you'll walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh." Verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, our faith, meekness and temperance that is what we are to walk in and then the Christian is to help the brother or sister in Christ chapter 6 we've looked at verses 2 and so on where it says bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ the law of Christ is to love your neighbor as yourself and love your brother those are the main points of this epistle to the Galatians. Look at verse 11 with me. Last week we finished with verse 10. Galatians 6.10, chapter 6, verse 10. And we ha- as we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Verse 11. Ye see how large a letter I have written unto you, that uh, with mine own hand... What does he mean by that? Interesting. Paul wrote this letter by his own hand. In the other passages we've looked at, he had someone else write for him, and he would dictate God's word as the Holy Spirit led him, and they would actually handwrite it. In this case, he wrote this personally, and it was... Not a long letter. That's not what that means. Just in large print. It's interesting. Apparently, the Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh, and we can't say this dogmatically, but in Second Corinthians chapter twelve, he speaks of asking God to remove the thorn that he, the, <coughs> the thorn in his flesh uh, that Satan would buffet him. At any rate. <coughs> God answered him but my grace is sufficient for thee there was no correction for Paul's thorn in the flesh what was that thorn in the flesh a lot of us surmised that it it was his eyesight this letter was not easy for the apostle Paul to write to them it isn't a lengthy one but apparently when he wrote it it was in very large print like going past (laughs) I don't know how many of you send emails at uh, 12, font, twelve font size 12? I do. Okay. 14 is easier, isn't it? Yeah. When we get one in six, oh boy, that's hard. I have to ask, sometimes highlight it and make it bigger. You understand, the Apostle Paul here was writing in, a, in big print for them because apparently his eyesight was... Difficult. Look at chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. Galatians 4, 14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though, oh, I'm sorry, I'm wrong chapter. Chapter 4, verse 14, you were probably wondering what happened? Okay. Chapter 4, verse 14, I was in chapter 3. This is what... Paul says in Galatians 4:14, 4, And my re- temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear your record that, if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me these dear believers in Galatia were that kind of people for the apostle Paul they would have given him if it were possible their own eyes because he struggled with eyesight is evident in several passages just including those look at verses 12 and 13 now Galatians 6, 12, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh. Oh boy, there are people that try to do that. They show how spiritual they are on the outward. But what's happening inside? Hmm. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. Only thus they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. Watch out, dear Christian. When a person does or teaches wrong, often they want to just add you as a notch in their gun belt. But they're still dead. They're still dead because they're not teaching the truth of the scripture through faith in Christ. These who tried to they had to be circumcised to be saved were not saved themselves. To go on, now we get to verse 14 where, but God forbid that I should glory. Um, Brandon asked me, what does glory mean there? Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll get to that in just a moment, okay? There are two kinds of, glory in the New Testament. The most common is from the Greek word doxa, which we get doxology from. It's a praise. It is an honor. It's actually used 151 times in the New Testament. It means dignity and praise or worship. Here's an example. The angels around the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward man. You remember that. That word glory is doxa. In John 1, 14, we read, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Peter recalls in 2 Peter 1 verse 17 for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased that was on the mount of transfiguration Jesus was glorified and honored and praised it's often used to describe God or the Lord of course the Lord Jesus Christ sometimes even a person. It is the most common word translated glory in the New Testament is doxa. One that shows up in our text, chapter 6, verse 14, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, is a different word. It's only used 33 times. It is not doxa. It is and I know that's very different sounding to us. It means to vaunt, literally, to vaunt or boast or brag. And it can be in a good sense or in a bad sense. But what is, how is it used here? But God forbid that I should glory in anything else. In my history as a Jew, in my, Paul was writing, of course, or in all that I've accomplished. God forbid. We should only glory or boast in Christ on the cross. In 1 Corinthians 3.20 it says, And again the Lord uh, knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore let no man glory in men. It's a different word. For all things are yours. Here's where it's translated boast. In Romans 2.17, Behold, Thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God. Actually, they were boasting that they were Jews, keeping God's law. In Ephesians 2, verse 9, of course, it says, Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a translation of our word here in verse 14, glory. Romans five eleven. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. The word joy there is our word that's translated glory in Galatians six fourteen. Romans five two it, it is rejoice, by whom also we have access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory that's doxa of God so both words are used there could Paul have boasted in himself he could you judge Philippians 3 verse 4 says though I might also have confidence in the flesh if any man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Paul did not glory or boast in his background, though he could have. We sometimes tease that the Apostle Paul had a BSD degree, and that we tease about that because that would have been a backside of the desert degree. He spent a couple years with the Lord out in the wilderness, and the Lord taught him. But he didn't boast about that stuff. He boasted only in Christ. I'll tell you what, people can sure boast about things in their lives. Some have special talents. Be careful when God gives you special abilities. I know of a fellow named Jason Weber who was one of the most skilled pianists I've ever met, but it went to his head. And he has turned from the Lord and is living a worldly life talents can be dangerous because instead of trusting in our own abilities we need to trust in what God gives us ability to do so be careful don't boast in your talents don't boast in your physical health a lot of people do or physical strength I remember reading about one of the strongest men who ever lived Paul Anderson of the United States There were others. He could pick up the end of a semi-trailer on his shoulders and stand up with the end of a semi-truck trailer. But he learned not to boast in his own strength. He became a Christian, and that changed. It was God he gave credit for the strength that he had. Learning and education and intellect and IQ, I think of men like Richard Dawkins, who boasts in their incredible intelligence instead of even acknowledging that God has given it to them. Some boast of their wealth, even, even our Donald Trump, George Soros, or Elon Musk, they boast in their wealth. Some people boast in their accomplishments and their name is listed in the who's who of America. Some boast in aristocracy, their family tree. Some boast in their race. Adolf Hitler did that. Some boast in religious zeal. How how many... (laughs) Are in attendance in their church or whatever it may be, how many souls they've won, and all all, that brings us to the matter at hand here today. And so, why boast in the cross and nothing else? The world looked upon Jesus Christ with contempt, and the cross was a stumbling block to the Jew and folly to the Greek. But to the Christian, the cross is the subject of glorying or boasting, dear friend. It is so because of the love of him who suffered there for us. He loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. That's why we can boast in him. Paul said, God forbid that I should boast or glory Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Another reason for boasting in the cross is of the purity and holiness of the one who hung there for you and me. He was sinless. He never sinned. The innocent died for the guilty. Another reason to glory in the cross is of the accomplishment done there by God and by no power of man. In that moment, he reconciled us to himself. He changed us from an enemy to a friend. We can boast in the the cross because of the pardon that was procured for the guilty. As in a court, the believer's sin crime is no longer charged to them. Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Another reason to boast in the cross is of the fact that through it we become dead to the world and are made alive to God, as the Apostle Paul Pointed out there, I'm glad for eternal life. The world leads to death, but through the one on the cross, we gain eternal life through faith in him. Sixthly, the support and consolation which goes from the cross to sustain us in times of trial. There are no other comforts sometimes but what has been provided for you and me. On the cross. Seventh, we can boast in the cross because of the fact that it procured for us admission into heaven. And it was on that cross where our Savior made it possible for you and me to have eternal life. Our citizenship was changed from this world to heaven. Oh, we're not there yet, we still have a foot in this world. But our citizenship is heaven-bound, dear friend. And we can glory in the cross because of that. And so, Paul was crucified with Christ, as it says in Galatians 2.20. Nevertheless, he lives or we live. Are you a new creature or creation? Look at verse 15. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ by faith for what he did on the cross for you and nothing else, not only can you boast in that or glory in that, but you're a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. New Are you a changed creature? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Then God begins a new work in you. So what do you glory in? What do I glory in? Not my accomplishments or my abilities. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 31 says that, According as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Heavenly Father, I ask you that as we approach the Lord's Supper, it would remind us that we have nothing, nothing to brag about, nothing to glory in, in ourselves, but we have everything to glory in, in Jesus Christ, our Savior, who shed his precious blood on Calvary's cross for the remission of our sins. His physical body died and was buried. And on the third day, he rose victorious over death and the grave bodily, securing for each and every one of us a future bodily resurrection to be with him, fit for heaven forever. Father God, I ask you that as we observe the Lord's Supper, we would think on all that was accomplished for us there, on the cross, and that—that that is what we would glory in, for your honor and glory. I pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Let's take our songbooks, and in praise and glory, sing "Hallelujah, what a Savior." Two eighty-six, two hundred eighty-six in our songbooks. Everyone, please stand as we sing "Hallelujah, what a Savior." How about you? We're dismissed and hope you can come back this evening.